Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 40 with Pat Flynn of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I'm your host coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. We've got a really, really nice day today and uh, I'm going to talk to you about today's guest. His name is Pat Flynn and he runs a website called Smart Passive Income. Funnily enough, you know, Pat is one of those guys that I has been on my radar ever since I've started as an entrepreneur, even before I launched Founder. Pat was one of these guys that uh, he produces an income report and it's extremely inspiring. And uh, I used to read his income reports, you know, long before I started Founder when I was in my day job. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed his work and it's extremely valuable. And I'm always on his blog and I'm always seeing what he's up to because he's a very, very smart entrepreneur, marketer, podcaster, and just a really nice all-round guy. So this conversation that we had actually goes for quite a long time, a little longer than our usual conversations. This one went for about 50 minutes, but uh, I have to say it is chock full of gold. I know Pat has done a lot of interviews, but uh, the stuff that we cover, I haven't really heard him share this kind of stuff before. We talk about transparency. We get him to break down this founder podcast because he runs one of the top business podcasts in iTunes and he gives a whole ton of advice. He gives a whole ton of marketing advice, transparency, you name it. And uh, he really delves deep and gives us a lot of stuff to work with, really actionable stuff. So I'm really, really excited to share this interview with you guys. And uh, yeah, I, I cannot tell you enough how much value there is in it. So enough from me. If you are enjoying these interviews, please do take the time to leave us a five-star review and please do check out the magazine. Please do check out the website. Uh, we're here to help entrepreneurs however we can. All right, now let's jump into the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to be here. Awesome. So can you tell us about how you got your job? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I went to school for architecture, and I'm doing nothing like architecture right now. And I feel like that's kind of how things work out sometimes. But it was interesting. I went to school for five years, got a great job, pretty much my dream job. And my life was going perfect. I just proposed to my girlfriend. This is back in early 2008. And she said, yes, 
I had just gotten promoted at the same time, uh, which is kind of where the engagement came from as well. And, and everything went well. Everything was going fine until in 2008, mid-2008, I got pulled into my boss's office. He sat me down. He said, Pat, you know what? You're one of the youngest, brightest guys I know, and we're so lucky to have you. But unfortunately, we have to let you go. And I'm like, what? Like, how could you say that and then that? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. But it was 2008, the recession. They kept me on as long as they could. And they eventually had to let me go. And my first instinct was to call every single architecture firm that I had ever contacted, anybody who I knew who worked at an architecture firm, and beg and plead for a job because that was my comfort zone. All I knew was architecture. I didn't have a plan B because I was in this secure position, I thought. Well, nobody was hiring at that time. Everybody was letting go. And it was a little bit lucky for me that I had about two or three months before they officially could let me go because I was just promoted to job captain. And as a job captain, I was responsible for certain clients. They couldn't just let me go without sort of easing my way out of those, those positions. And so during those couple months, it was, it was a pretty depressing you know, time in the beginning because every day I would go into work knowing that like I was going to get let go. So I really had no energy to work. And so I focused on a lot of, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I actually moved back with my parents in San Diego and took the train because it was cheaper than driving at the time. And my fiance uh, moved back in with her parents, too. So it was a tough time. I, I didn't really know what the future was going to be like. Well, to make a long story short, on one of the train rides, I had listened to a podcast where I heard an interview of this guy who was teaching people how to pass the project management exam, the PM exam. And I didn't know what that exam was, but he was telling the story and he was making six figures doing that online. And it kind of made a light bulb go off for me because I had taught a couple of my coworkers and myself really how to pass this really tiny exam in the architecture space called the lead exam. And to help me study in my coworker study, I created a blog. And essentially the blog was there just to kind of hold my notes and that's it. And to share my notes with my coworkers. And then I passed the, that exam and I kind of just let that site sit there. Well, after I heard this interview, I went back to the site. I put a tool on the site to keep track of the traffic that I was hopefully going to have in the future. And the next day, I saw that four or 5,000 people were already visiting that site every single day. And I had no idea how that happened, why that was happening. And initially it scared me because I didn't know it was happening. But in October of 2008, a couple months later, I eventually turned it around, opened up the comments, became this authority in that space and published a study guide to help pass this exam. And in that month, October 2008, which was the same month I was officially let go, I had made $7,908.55. And that was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And this was from a $19.99 ebook. It wasn't even a real book. It was an ebook, which was, you know, ebooks were just kind of getting popular at the time. And then the business continued to grow. I added new products like an audio guide and then practice exams. And I became this sort of big authority in the space. And that's when I started smartpassiveincome.com, which is where most people know me from now, because a lot of people were wondering how I was able to do this. And I wanted to have a place to keep track of all the things I was doing as well. So I created smartpassiveincome.com to talk about the journey and everything I was doing, everything I wish I had done instead, and everything that was happening, things that were going right, things that were going wrong. And then this site eventually started to take off and people started to really find value from it. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of things on it that a lot of other people don't do. Like I share a lot of my failures. People enjoy my failures. And I love that because it just makes me feel like a failure isn't always a complete failure because there's always a lesson involved for somebody. I also share my income every month and how much I make and where it's coming from, which a lot of people enjoy. But the coolest part is sort of all this and, and sort of a lesson I took from my very first business was that, and, and it was in that first month I, I created that ebook too, because that first month where I sold over 200 copies of that book, way more than 200 actually, but 20 to 25% of the customers were actually people who already passed the exam. They didn't need my guide. And they told me this. I got so many emails after I ran a survey from people saying, yeah, I just bought the guide because you finally gave me a way to pay you back for all the free information you gave me. And that's what taught me that serving your audience first is what's most important. And that's sort of what I do on smartpassiveincome.com. I do what I can to just give away as much as I can for free. And it always ends up coming back in my way, my way in one way, shape, or form. And, and not necessarily from the same people who I help too. It just maybe referrals or something. But it always, you know, the universe has this way of repaying you for all the kind things you do. And when you serve your audience, they will, you know, turn around and serve you back too. So on the site now, I have many other businesses that I've built, many publicly on the site over time, showing people step-by-step step how it's been done. And uh, again, with a lot of failures along the way, but it's been really cool. And now I have all these different passive income streams. A lot of people saw how those were built and are able to learn from my mistakes and kind of follow my example as well. And now I'm doing a lot of cool things that I never thought I would have done 
like public speaking, something I was deathly afraid of. I'm actually getting paid to do keynote speeches now. I'm an author. I've, I've written books. I uh, have a podcast that's one of the top business podcasts on iTunes and has been for the last few years, which is awesome. And I have actually two other podcasts that go along with that. And so it's just been an amazing journey. And kind of that's kind of been the, the amazing run that I've had. And I almost feel like I'm just getting started still. Yeah. Oh, wow. You feel, you feel like you're just getting started. Yeah, I mean, there's so many awesome opportunities out there and bigger things I want to do. You know, one of my biggest inspirations right now is Elon Musk, who's just this complete big thinker thinking like his brain is limitless in terms of what the possibilities might be. And I'm trying to think about how I can go bigger because with all these little businesses and, and it's important that when you start a new business and you're an entrepreneur that absolutely you've got a niche down, right? The riches are in the niches, as they say. Unless you pronounce niches, then it doesn't really rhyme and sound as cool. But which which you may pronounce it that way since you're all the way on the other side of the world. But anyway, you got to niche down and you got to focus in on that 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 tiny market that really needs help that you can be the solution for it, the solution. And I've done that very very well. But now that I have this base and I have these successful businesses, I want to think bigger and see what else I can do to to to. I don't know if I could ever become an Elon Elon Musk, but I can train my brain to think like him, I think. And, and I think that can provide a lot of cool opportunities, not just for me as a business owner, but for the world in one way, shape, or form. I don't know what it's going to be, but I, I want to use him as an example as far as thinking bigger. And like I said, I feel like I'm just getting started. Mm, yeah, yeah. Look, I know what you mean. Um, I'm curious because you, you strike me as a, a lifestyle entrepreneur. Do you think that as time goes on, you would you would kind of like to become a big startup entrepreneur? You know, I don't know. I've always, it's interesting because lifestyle entrepreneur, yes, I've sort of built my business in a way that allows me to live the life I want to live. And the way I want to live my life is to be here at home in the house. I work from my home office and I do that purposefully because I want to be at home when my, when my kids are here and I actually schedule my life around them. So when they're at home and you know, that's not when I work. And when they go to sleep, that's when I begin work or I wake up earlier before they wake up so I can spend all my time with them and then work when I need to work, not when it's going to overlap with time I should be spending with them. So that, yeah, I'm, I am a lifestyle entrepreneur in the, at, at this point. And that's sort of what I've been sharing how, how to create, sort of building your business in a way that serves you and not in a way that you end up serving your business and, and not living the life you want to live. But I've always thrown around the idea of doing something big in the startup world. And a lot of people are doing that right now. And it's so fun and exciting. I listen to all the podcasts related to that. And I hear all the things people like Tim Ferriss are getting involved with and the, the companies that he's, you know, an angel investor for. And just we're, we live in a time where there's so many opportunities. I, it is something I've thought about. But I also know that a part of me doesn't want to go that, that way because it would completely change my lifestyle. I feel like I would do that later in life if the kids are a little bit more independent and they're kind of doing their own thing, they're in school, and I had more time because I definitely don't want to take time away from them. And it's interesting because one of the products that I recommend on my site is a, is a, is a fairly well-known company out there that um, provides me a great commission. And uh, you know I'm, I'm an affiliate for their company. And a lot of people are like, wow, you're making so much money by promoting this other company. Why don't you create that solution yourself. Why don't you just create that yourself? You can make so much more money. But then I think about it, I'm like, I could do that. But then, I mean, the infrastructure that would be involved with that and the employees and the customers, I mean, that would just change my entire life. And yes, there's millions of dollars there and I can make it work. But do I want to or should I? Probably not, at least at this point in time. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point And it's something I wanted to touch on with you. There's a lot of things I want to unpack, Pat. So, um, yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's yeah, unpack let's do it. the luggage. Well, let, let's stick on that. Like, first of all, you've changed the game for a lot of people. Like, you are the reason that a lot of people, you know, three to four years ago, even five years ago, have got started in this online business world. You're, you're a massive influencer in this space. And your income reports, you know, before I even started the magazine or doing anything, like, I stumbled across your income reports. I don't know how, like, uh, about four years ago. And I remember showing... Like some of my friends in my day job and like, you know, how, how, look at how good what this guy's doing. He's living the dream and it's really inspiring. So my question to you is you've got all these forms of passive income. You've got all these affiliates. That, that's how you, like you said, most of your money comes from Bluehost. So my question to you is why haven't you launched many of your own products? Like I know you have the smart passive income player, you know, we have that on our, our site. It's brilliant. But how come you haven't like launched some of your own products? Cause I'm sure you, you've got a massive community 
and I'm sure they're telling you what, what their problems are, what their biggest frustrations are. You know, I'm, I'm really curious, why haven't you done that? Yeah, it's a fantastic question, and you're definitely not the first person to ask me that because there's obviously a lot of opportunity there. But a lot, a lot, a lot of the, the pains and the problems that people have out there and in my audience, there are solutions already available to them. And, you know, Bluehost is obviously an extreme example because I can't create a hosting company, or I guess I could, but if somebody wants to start a website, that's how you do it. You go through that particular example. But there are, for example, courses and membership sites that I could potentially replicate and potentially do even better. But but I've gone through those my, that myself, and I recommend them because I know that those people who I have a relationship with are also going to take care of my audience as well. And it's not like when I send them there, they're going to be gone forever. I still have my free content and a lot of the things that I share that are going to help them too. Now, I have dabbled with my own products. Like you said, the Smart Podcast Player, which is sort of my first first successful software business, but there's also some membership sites that I've done in the past. And, and I've explored those options and I've, I've, you know, I've launched those in a very strategic way where I have a certain amount of people in there and then I kind of close it off to kind of test the waters a little bit. And I've done this a few times. One was a more hands-on sort of eight-week coaching course, which is sort of the, you, you know, you see this in the online world. You see these typical, you know, pay a certain amount of money and then you work with eight weeks and by the end of eight weeks you have something. I did, I did that. And then membership sites where you get access to a certain location online where then you get access to videos and transcripts and audio files to achieve something and, and, and meet your goals. And I've tested that as well. And I mean, I feel like that's what everybody else does. And I feel like I need to do something better or, or, or you know, I, I, I'm still looking for a better way to serve my audience in that way. And I think there's a lot to go, a lot to do with this. I mean, we can break this down in several ways, Nathan. I mean, I think part of it also is because I'm scared. And I'm just going to be honest, I, I, you know, putting together a product and selling it is not something that you can just do lightly and, and be okay with. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's a scary thing. And for me, it's scary. Every time I launch something new, I'm afraid, afraid because I'm, I worry about not failure, but just how people might think about it. And I, I have this such, I have such a high standard for the things that I do that I feel like it's to a point where I almost don't do anything because I'm worried it's not good enough. And I've spoken to people in my audience before who have said, Pat, like you just have, like your stuff is fantastic. Like just put it out there for us. We will buy it. We will consume it. Like they're telling me they will pay for it. And yet I don't do it. And it's still something I have to get over mentally sometimes. Uh, another part of it is, is I feel like I shouldn't do something just because I can. That's been another big reason is I don't want to force something just because I can't. I want to do something that's going to make a big difference and make a change to the audience who's going to consume that product. And, and for me, I don't want to, with all the other stuff I have going on, I don't want to just, oh, well, I'll put a product out there, you know, just for the sake of making money. I would, no, I need a, a fantastic reason to do this. And, you know, it's interesting because I have a few friends who are in the online space who are doing very well who have come up to me and they have said the same things like, Pat, it's about time that you come out with your own product. And, you know, I gone through all the same sort of, quote, excuses and things like that. But then they say, Pat, like you are doing your audience a disservice by not doing this. And I'm like, explain. And they say, well, when people pay for things and you give them access to these things that, you know, are a, are a gateway into your brain and your teachings and, and you just have a fantastic way of sharing this information, you're helping them do whatever it is they want to do better. And yes, your free information is great. You have these online courses and step-by-step -step tutorials, these epic posts. But when people pay for things and get access to it, they are more likely to take action with it. Like how many people have read your post but actually have taken action? And then I'm like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And that's kind of where I'm at right now in my business. I, I, I am putting together products right now as we speak, interestingly enough, Nathan. But you're right, it's been six years and it took about five before I started actually creating my own stuff. And, and, and another part of it is because, you know, I've learned that when you rely on another company for your income, it's really scary because you can have it taken away from you in a flash. For instance, if Bluehost were to just, I mean, they could, they, they, have, they have all the control, right? I mean, they're a great company and I recommend them because of that and I use them, but what if they were like, oh, we're not going to have an affiliate program anymore? I can't say anything about that. Or if, if maybe, what if their just, product just goes to crap and then I don't want to promote something like that. And so then I'm screwed again. So creating my own essence is, is kind of what I've been sort of thinking about over the last year now. And that's, that is something I've been doing. So hopefully, you know, opening up a little bit helps out uh, you and, and everybody else out there listening right now. Yeah, no, look, thank you for sharing that with us, Pat. And, uh, 
I'm sure the audience would probably be interested actually how you're approaching creating these products and also how you plan to launch them. Like you, you have a decent sized email list uh, on, on your site. You, you're transparent about that. You say you have 75,000. Mm. Obviously, you, you'll do a launch like uh, Jeff Walker style. Is that safe, safe to say you'll just do a launch? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always try to do something different. I've, I've, when I got started, what has helped me stand out, yeah, is doing the complete opposite of what everybody else does. You know, I've subscribed to all those lists of all those big A-lister internet marketers, and I've always done the complete opposite. So they all sell and use their email list. I don't sell one bit on my email list, but I use an indirect approach where I bring people back to my blog, and that's where I share not through selling and exaggeration and hype and amazing copywriting, but typically just through example and showing people what they're going to get high quality videos and how it's helped me. That's sort of been my approach. So it's always been the opposite. So in terms of when these products come out, will I do a Jeff Walker style launch three video series and that? I mean, I've studied the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I, I want to get these products created first and work with a sort of beta group of people to make sure they're great and fantastic and that all the things are in there that need to be in there first, which is what I did with the smart podcast player. And that turned out to be very successful in that approach. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But Definitely, it's going to be something that I know is going to take a lot of time because I want it to be great. But I also understand that through my experience with software is that you don't want to make excuses for not launching either. And this is a trap that I've seen a lot of people fall through myself and I've fallen through myself too, is, is they try to make their products perfect right before launching. And that's typically just an excuse or a, a form of procrastination or fear or resistance. And now I'm in it myself too. So I, I, I know I have to ship as, as Seth Godin always says. So yeah, I'm in this kind of weird transition phase now where I'm kind of looking at my own stuff now. And I think a lot of it's going to have to, you know, I have so much I want to do, Nathan. And I think all of us can relate to that. I kind of have to pick one thing at a time. And uh, so right now for Q1 and Q2 of 2015, it's about writing books and these software products, those are my big focuses right now. And then Q3 and Q4, there's going to be some online components and products related to the books that I'm coming out with earlier in the year. So hopefully they're going to be able to kind of work together and promote each other and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. And and I'm, I'm you know, really my main marketing tool is the relationships that I'm building with my audience. I mean, there's all these fancy copywriters who are great. I'm not a great copywriter. All these people who create these really interesting tactics and strategies, you know, like you were saying, the Jeff Walker thing. I mean, I feel like my biggest strength is just the trust that I've earned with my audience. And I, and, and, and that's always going to be on the back of my mind when I go forth and promote these things. Yeah, no, look, you're very, very smart in that sense. And, and I don't even see it as a strategy, like your transparency, and you're, you're just even, you know, how you're talking to me, make, make yourself vulnerable, tell me you're scared. Like it's, it's just you, it's who you are. And it's pretty obvious that you care. And that's, that, that's one of the best marketing strategies out there. Yeah. It's interesting. You're like, it's, it's a strategy. I mean, it is a strategy, but it's, I, yeah, I think, look, it is, I think it's just, strategy it's who is you are. Byproduct. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's just who you are. And yeah, it's not really a strategy, but yeah, you, if you were to put a label on anything, it's yeah, like. You really care, and uh, that's why you have such a, an engaged community because you put them first, and you you you're all about them. Yeah, I mean the community is so amazing. I mean, I get I get emails every week, Nathan, from people saying, "Do you have an affiliate link for this product?" And I'm like, "I've never heard of that product before, but <laughs> thank you for asking me." No, I don't have an affiliate link, and no, I don't go and like sign up right away just just to earn a few dollars because I, I I only promote and recommend the products that I've used and, and know, you know, and to a point where I could actually provide support for them if I needed to. But I mean, just to have people like that email me to make sure that I get paid back in some way, shape or form is amazing. I just just right before Christmas, actually, I had about two dozen people email me completely different people saying, Pat, do you have a an affiliate link for Amazon? I'm going to be doing a lot of Amazon shopping for my family and I want to make sure just, you know, I give you a little bit of commission as a result. And I'm like, just like, oh, this is so freaking cool. A couple times and I would never recommend this, but a couple times people have given me like sent an email with their credit card number saying when you come out with a product here's my credit card number i just want it and i'm like please don't ever do that and you know don't send your credit card this is ridiculous like you will hear about a product if it comes out but i mean just show i'm just trying to share with you just the kind of tribe that i've built and how amazing they are 
it's just so cool. And the, the, the coolest example of everybody coming together recently, it was on my birthday last year. I did a campaign to build a couple of schools in Ghana. And what I said was, okay, we're going to raise $25,000 from the SPI community, from the Smart Passive Income community. If we get to that, we'll match. My family and I will, will match that. And uh, the community raised over 25000 We matched, and we were able to build two schools in Ghana. And I'm going to actually be headed there in June of this year to meet the students who are attending those schools and to meet and, and to see the schools. And it's really cool because just last week I got an email from pencilsofpromise.org, which is the company that we're running this campaign through, asking for what I wanted to put on the plaques that are in front of the schools. And so one of the plaques is, is a dedication from my family and the other one is a dedication from the entire SPI community. And then I'm bringing a videographer there to film the whole experience and get them involved too so that they can kind of take the trip with me without actually going. Yeah, wow, that's that's really amazing. Do you plan to do more stuff like that, like be, to give back to the community? Oh, yeah, totally. Like I'm, I'm so blessed to be where I'm at now, and I am looking for new and different and fun ways to give back. Just because, like I said, every time I've done this, it's always come come back to me. And 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 even after announcing this this campaign, like Forbes reached out to me and featured me in an article because they heard through this. And again, I that wasn't planned. It's just kind of that's the way that the universe works. And it's so crazy. This year on my birthday, I think I'm going to make it like an annual thing or maybe start to do it even more, hopefully. But I, I would love to do another thing, but kind of keep it more local this time, maybe even in my hometown of San Diego. I mean, everybody, there's parts of the world that need, all, all parts of the world need, need help in one way, shape or form. So I'm just going to try and continue to do more and push and try to be that example. I mean, a lot of people said that they couldn't contribute to the campaign, but they emailed me saying as, uh, you know, as soon as they, they could, they, they would, or as soon as they have the opportunity to do something for the people in their community, they would do that. So, it's, you know, this is just kind of a very cool butterfly effect that's happening. Hmm. I'm curious, what has been the best platform out of all the ones, all, because you have, you have influence in many different platforms on social, your podcast, your blog, your email list, traffic to your website. Hmm. What's been the best platform to grow this massive community? By far, it's the podcast. And... I would have never guessed that. And I mean, if you had asked me when I first started, if that would be the case, I would have never guessed that now. as we all know, podcasting is, is sort of taken off and going mainstream now. And it's doing so for a reason. It's because it's just amazing what it could do for you and your brand. When back in 2010, actually, so this was even before podcasting really became mainstream, but I was doing a presentation in LA at uh, what was then known as Blog World Expo, now known as New Media Expo. And this was in LA when when they did kind of one or one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And for that presentation, I did a survey to my audience and I had 7,500 people respond at that time, asking them one simple question. How did you first hear about me? And by far, the no, or not by far, but the number one way that people discovered who I was and my brand. Again, I was asking my blog readers. I didn't ask my podcast audience or my YouTube audience. I asked my blog readers, how did you find me? The number one way, 19% of the people, one out of every five people found me through my podcast. Number two was 18% through YouTube. And then the next one was 15% through links on other sites or mentions on other sites. Google and Facebook and Twitter, those were below those. And the podcast by far has just made the biggest difference. And so it was at that time, actually, no, it, at the time I was doing a bi-weekly show. So every other week in 2012, I switched to a weekly show because when I went to a conference, again, I was a blogger, I considered myself a blogger, but I went to this conference, everybody who came up to me and, and, and wanted to introduce themselves commented on how much they loved the podcast. It was podcast, podcast, podcast. Everything was about the podcast. I was like, what about my blog? Nobody cares about my blog anymore. And that's when I switched to weekly. And the coolest thing about all those conversations and still conversations I have with people who I meet who listen to the podcast, they always say the same thing. Pat, I feel like I know you. And these are people who I've never met before who come up to me and start talking to me, talking to me like we're friends. And, and I love that. At first, it scared me. Like people would come up to me and be like, hey, Pat, like, how's your fantasy football team doing? Or Pat, like, how's your son? Like, he's starting school soon, right? And I'm like, who are you? And, you know, that's scary at first. Obviously, I draw a line in terms of what I talk about with my family, but I do share a bit about my family, but not too much, obviously. But that eventually led me to, to realize 
just how much of a connection this podcast was making with people. And it's a very intimate thing, this, this listening to a podcast, right? Like people listening to us right now, it's like we are in their ears and it's as if we were there having a conversation right in front of them or actually speaking to them sometimes. And it, I mean, it's just, I mean, okay, a blog post, maybe 10 minutes of reading time, right? A video, you know, five to 10 minutes before people kind of tune out. A tweet or a Facebook post, I mean, that's just seconds of attention. But a podcast, I mean, we're already, I don't know, 30 minutes into this conversation and people are still listening. I mean, that much of a brand and of, of, of just sharing information and value providing is just huge. And it's just, just done wonders for my, for my brand in terms of the exposure of my brand, the connection I have to people, but also just incredible opportunities that, has, that have come as a result, in, including publishers reaching out to me, asking if I want to work with them to write a book. I've gotten some very small roles in Hollywood. I mean, I mean, really small, like background roles. But I've had people in Hollywood reach out to me and say, hey, do you want to help us with our movie? We'll put you in the movie if you'd like. And so that's happened. And just, of course, the connections that I've had with people, like kind of the connections like we're making right now, Nathan. Like you and I had never spoken before, but here we are. We're having a conversation. We're now friends, right? This is like a 30-minute conversation. That's a long time. I mean, at a, at a conference, you might speak to somebody for a few minutes before you move on or have to go to the next room or, you know, shake somebody else's hand. But the connections and the relationships I've built through my podcast with my guests have been, I mean, just life-changing, seriously life-changing. Like I, I'm friends with a lot of the people on my show now, like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss and things like that, which I would have never, I mean, I was like a fanboy of those people now. And, and now I'm their friend, which is still a fanboy a little bit. But, you know, it's just it's just really cool what podcasting can do in more ways and just kind of more exposure for your site and brand. Yeah, look, um, the podcast... To be honest with you, Pat, like we, we, we recently launched a podcast for Founder and yeah. uh, it's going okay. It, it didn't get the tr the exact traction that I was looking for. And I'm, I'm a little like you. I, I like to do things differently too. I don't, I don't want to be like everyone else. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, one of the reasons I launched the magazine and the kind of people we interview are the kind of people that no one would ever really get in touch with usually, you know, like the founders of Eventbrite, Indiegogo, just all yeah, these crazy people, cool. like all these crazy founders. To be honest, I'd like to hear some some strategies that you guys used for One Day BB because that's a brilliant podcast. It's something a little different. And Thank you. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm going to be totally selfish here and find out some strategies <laughs> for myself that you would you would recommend. Like, are you able to pull up our podcast right now? If you go to Founder Mag, you front, you're in front of a computer. Can you go to foundermag.com forward slash cast? So we've had... 20,000 downloads in eight weeks. And, you know, we, we, were, we were quite high during those new and noteworthy periods. You know, I followed the rule book. You know, I launched a ton of episodes, but I was going for 50,000. You know, that, that, that was the number that I was going for. I didn't promote it or push as hard as I could have because I was working on other things. I was traveling around India and, you know, a few things came up. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear... If you could, you know, like pick apart, you know, some little things and strategies and tactics that I could be doing. And if anybody that wants to launch a podcast, you know, how you've launched One Day BB. And that's that's actually something I want to talk to you about anyways. Sure. Yeah. Let me open this up in iTunes right now. Okay. So immediately you're doing a lot of things right. Like the name of the show and the, the host. I mean, those are all keyword filled and great and and things like that your description's good those are typically the first things i see which which you know a lot of people forget that they have you know itunes is a search engine and so if, for example you were to look up blogging in itunes the smart passive income podcast comes up first which is pretty cool now the the, the first thing that that pops out is you only have 51 reviews reviews are extremely important for a podcast in terms of rankings, in terms of getting other people to see that this is a show that they should listen to and things like that. So one thing that we did with One Day BB at onedaybb.com, you know, we launched that and on day one, we had over 200 reviews. And we did that because we made a huge deal out of it. I mean, we turned that sucker into an event and that kind of helped, you know, that that happened because we built hype leading up to that event and we had built an email list of people who were going to listen to the show before it even came out teased things every few days about what they were going to get and what what they could look forward to and then when it launched we gave them a clear call to action to leave a review and if they left a review 
and used the hashtag one day BB on Twitter and took a screenshot of that, they'd be entered into a drawing to win something. Yeah, we incentivize it a little bit. This is something I picked up from a lot of other podcasts that launched since my podcast launched, because you're going to have to do a little bit extra now that podcasting is sort of becoming mainstream now to, you know, stand out. Exactly. Now, 51 ratings, all positive. That's good. I mean, that that's fantastic. And so what you could do is maybe there's a podcast episode coming out. I mean, now that you've launched already, I mean, you can't do the sort of pre-launch thing, but you can still create excitement and lead up to an event-like situation with maybe an upcoming podcast. Maybe you have somebody in the, on deck who who's just everybody can't wait for, and you know it's just going to be a top-notch interview. Uh-huh. And then you just... We, you know, we're you, just about to launch. Uh, well, we interviewed Seth Godin. I interviewed Seth Godin. Oh my gosh, that's the other huge. week. So he's um, not that, easy to get. That was a uh, brilliant interview too. But that will that one won't go live till May because I coincide, like your interview. That won't go live for a while because I generally always launch if I if I put our interview in the magazine, I launch the magazine first and then the podcast, then the podcast episode live in yeah. Right. Well, if you know Seth is coming in May, you can talk about that and and create sort of a contest around it in terms of ratings and stuff. And you'll see, I mean, the iTunes rankings in that situation is very organic. It moves around a lot. And so it's all based off of subscribes and ratings and downloads and, and reviews, of course. And so those those things, if you can get more of those in a short period of time, that's better than getting the same amount over a long period. Gotcha. And how many, how many reviews do you think I should aim for within the next six months? Because I've seen yours, you've got like 2,000, 3,000? Yeah, I mean, that's over 13 million listens when you think about that. So that's, wow. it's, it's a small percentage, but I wouldn't go for a specific number. I would just go for, you know, big event, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I mean, you could go for a specific number if, if, if you'd like, but you know, just the, the whole point being more ratings, more subscribes and in a short period of time. So make an event around it, have some fun promotion going on around the same time. That's going to help push it up the rankings and the rankings are really important. That's how I've been able to really stay up there. And this is how a lot of like iOS apps stay up where they're at because they're up there already. Right. And so you kind of have to do, to kind of weave your way in there with these sort of big, promotional tactics, you know, these event type situations, um, instead of organically getting through. But as you come out with more episodes, what's going to happen is you're going to see that your rankings are going to climb over time as well. And that's because people listen to one show and then they continue to listen to more and they eventually subscribe. The more shows there are, the more opportunities there are for people to find you through search and things like that. Now, another way that is really easy to grow is to feature somebody on your show who then features that particular episode with their audience as well. So, for instance, you have Mary Smith here, or Mari Smith, in episode 15. I don't know if she shared this episode, but that would be huge if she shared it because she has hundreds of thousands of subscribers, right? So maybe there's a way for you to work with her to do something. Maybe you give something to her or or provide value to her in some way where in return she would then promote or tweet or probably best for Mari actually would be, would be a Facebook post about it. Utilizing those relationships and building those relationships is important, but if you can, and I and I wouldn't just pick people for the sake of, of picking people because they have a large audience, but if you can utilize them, that would be fantastic in, in those relationships that they've already built. A lot of times, those people will be happy to share because you're featuring them and it's making them look better. Along the same lines, one thing you could do is you can make sure to feature people and interview people who are group owners on Facebook or group owners on LinkedIn, or who own, you know, a specific forum. That's a fantastic strategy, because when you interview them, and talk about their group, and and have them, you know, promote their group a little bit, and also go over the strategies and things like that, chances are they're going to share that interview on that group, because they're talking about that group, it's going to make their group look better, it's going to make them more connected. And so that's a great strategy that uh, I've shared recently that uh, a lot of people are using and and finding great success with. Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. The only thing with me is though, Pat, I'm I'm very I'm very ruthless with who I want to feature. Like <laughs> I can tell. I mean you have these amazing guests on here. Yeah, yeah, that's it is a good tactic though. What about the copy? Do you think the copy's a bit too long? No, I don't think it's too long. I mean, if you go to One Day BB or Smart Passive Income, it's about the same 
length. I mean, the copy is important because people read that. And so there might be, unfortunately, iTunes doesn't give us a way to like split test or anything like that. But um, that is something you could do is to work on that and, and really hone in on those pains and, and problems that people have so they can really make a connection. I mean, I, I would imagine that most people visit the page, they look at the image first, and the image is fine. I mean, it actually reads really well from a long distance, which means it looks good as a small thumbnail, which is, which is great. And you have your smiling face there, which is always good. I have I have half my face on, on mine, but that's not a big deal. But yeah, that that's fine. But I, I can imagine people looking at that, then they look at the ratings, and then they look at the description really quick. And it says, unlike most podcast interview series, I literally started from knowing nothing. Maybe that's not the first thing to start with. Maybe the first thing to start with would be, okay, what am I going to get as a listener out of this? You're going to get interviews with people who nobody else can get a hold of. Okay, now I'm intrigued. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, thinking about, and, and you, can all, you can always add what you add here. I mean, it's a good story that you're, that you're telling here, but first start with the benefits to me as a potential listener. I think, I think that'd be helpful. Another thing is I'm not sure what you're doing on your website or what the, what the traffic is on your website, but I know for a fact that a lot of people listen to podcasts on websites and not through subscriptions on iTunes and things like that. So that's another potential way that you can make sure that the listening experience on your website is really good. And oh, that's kind look, of man, we're using we're using your player and it looks amazing. When you get okay, that, you, you should you should check it out. It could be a good case study because it looks that good. <laughs> good. Okay. Yeah, I was like kind of leading into a little bit of a promotion of my stuff there, but you 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 swung it out of the park for me. So thanks. Um but again we're we're sharing this with everybody else out there listening too. So I want to make sure that that was covered. And then are are you on Stitcher as well? Yes, we're on Stitcher. Now okay. question when people play, like we don't get much traffic to our site around almost, almost, around almost 15,000 hits a month, but I've only just started working on growing it. But okay. question, when people listen to the podcast on your site, does Libsyn count that as a download? Yes, it does. Libsyn does. Ah, okay. Gotcha. iTunes does not. Yeah. Because it's not going through iTunes. Yeah. And you should definitely be, no matter where you're at, if you're not on iTunes, you should be making it easy for people to subscribe. And of course, the podcast player helps with that. But you can also, in your show, talk about subscribing. In your show, you can talk about leaving reviews. And I would recommend kind of leaving the call to action to do something like that to one per episode. Because once you start saying, okay, guys, thank you for listening to the show. You can go subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Stitcher. You can go here to download this free giveaway. Make sure to leave a review. And like, that's a hundred different things that you just said. Which one am I going to do? And Remember, people are typically listening while on the go or at the gym or not in front of a computer. You know, they're on a mobile device. And so making it easy for them by helping them by just mentioning one thing to do. I mean, they're going to listen to another episode if it's great, and they'll get another call to action. And so I, I do that in my episodes. I typically have just one call to action at the end of each episode to, to do something. And uh, that's that's been working out really well, too, to kind of just make sure people do one thing instead of hear five and then do nothing. Hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, look, those are some great tips. Um, I have a few things I need to go away and do now, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, we all do, though, so don't worry. <laughs> look, we have to work towards wrapping up. few questions. I, I want to get into the tactics, some more tactics. Sure. People love tactics. Podcasts yeah, that's, and... that's right. That's right. That's right. So best tips for driving traffic to your website. You know, like I'm working on driving traffic to our website, you know, I'm growing, I'm growing the social channels, I'm producing content and that's working like it's, it's growing. We're getting, we're getting some good growth now. What are some good tactics and tips that you would recommend that you use for your like experiment websites or, you know, yeah, like food yeah. trucker, security guard training? Well, the number one visited page and post on foodtrucker.com, it was a post, which was the very first post that was ever written on the site and published. And it was a post that featured 50 different answers from 50 different food truck owners about what they wish they would have known before they started a food truck. So you can see how that topic can be completely useful for people looking to get into the food truck space or who are in it already. But what that all, what also happened was a lot of those people who were featured Similar to what we said about podcast guests, they shared their material as well. They shared that post because it was just such a cool post. And when you can get all these different people contributing to one thing, it becomes this massive epic resource for people. And because they were featured, they want to share that too. So not only did they, they share it on their social streams, even though, to be honest, we didn't get much leg out of that because when you think about it, who follows food trucks? 
the people who eat at the food trucks, not people who really care about how to start a food truck. So, so really, really the true benefit came from what that article eventually became, which was, I mean, when you read, when you read the, the title, it's just, it just draws your eye in sort of like a Buzzfeed sort of headline. Although I, you know, there's debate on whether you should go down that route or not. Cause we could have said 50 things food truckers wish they would have known. You cannot believe number 26. <laughs> yeah. It's right. Like, so good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I want to know what number 26 is. I mean, it is really good, but there's a line there and you know, it's up to you if you want to go down that route. But the, the article itself was just so appealing to people who came to the site that they just ended up sharing it because it was so good. It got shared on Facebook several times. It got picked up on Reddit. Which, which drew in a few thousand visitors in one day. Now, the Reddit traffic wasn't very useful, but it was just cool to see that it was getting put out there, meaning somebody saw that it was worth their time to share and people visited it. So doing things like that, those little roundup posts, that's a great strategy, especially if you're just starting out. But also while you're doing that and reaching out to those people, be mindful of their time and, and make sure that you keep those emails short when you ask those questions. And another strategy to go along with that is, is you you know, we, we sent out, 250 emails. We just found the emails of 250 food trucks from all around the U.S. when we did this, when before we even launched. We got 10 answers back within a week, which is not very much. Well, we then followed up with the people who didn't answer back and just simply said a one-liner, hey, sent you a message the other day, just want to make sure you saw it. Would love your input. Thanks so much. Pat from foodtrucker.com. We had 35 more responses come in after that. From the follow-up, and uh, I forget who says it, but the, but the fortune is in the follow-up, they say. So if you're sending emails out, and, and yes, those were cold emails, which is like not ideal. Like ideally, I would have had a, a relationship with these people beforehand or, or contacted them on Twitter beforehand to, but before getting their answers, and I probably would have gotten more. But, you know, we ended up getting 50, and it just became a massive resource, and a lot of it was because took the time to spend a few seconds to follow up with those people who didn't respond. And a lot of them said, oh, I missed your email. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but I don't know. And a few other people were like, oh, I just wanted to see if you actually were legit. And because you followed up, it means that you actually care about this. You know, some people will wait till that second ask before actually, you know, answering in that way. So, so that's a good strategy. Another strategy is just featuring, you know, I, I mean, just, just giving them what they want. And, and the only way to do that is to really have real conversations with them. So a lot of the content that is being pushed onto foodtrucker.com is directly coming from conversations that I've had with, with food truck owners and people who are starting a food truck, asking them what they wish there were pieces of content about. And we just go ahead and, and promote them. I mean, answering people's questions, that's the best thing you could do. And that's how you eventually get picked up on Google with SEO and things like that. I mean, that's how security guard training hq.com, another one of my experimental niche sites, that's how that's became popular. And it's making a few thousand dollars a month, mostly through AdSense. But it's because I just was able to find that there was this hole in this market where there was much needed information for how to become a security guard in all the different states in the US. And uh, I worked on the first 17 states myself. And then I outsource the rest. And um, now the site is getting found by over 8,000 different keywords. Now, most of them are just long tail keywords and just getting one hit, but those one hits add up. And those only happen if you are publishing content, but also if you're publishing content that answers people's questions, because people are typing in those questions into Google. Mm -hmm. And out of curiosity, can you give us some, are you able to share some numbers around traffic to SPI and these sites that you speak of just out of curiosity? Yeah, absolutely. I just published my annual report, which actually shares all of that. So let me go and get that right there for you now. So I'll actually start off talking about some of the numbers. So for Smart Passive Income, the blog had 3.34 million unique visitors, which was up 26% from last year, 7.6 million page views, average time on site, three, almost three and a half minutes. Uh, which is really cool. Oh, wow. um, the, and this is over a year. That's over a year, yes. Oh, wow. The podcast over the year had 5.7 million downloads, and that's 60% increase from the previous year. The Ask Pat podcast, which is my other five-day-a-week show, has 3.1 million views. SecurityGuardTrainingHQ.com, so this is my first experimental niche site. This has 350,000 unique visitors almost two pages per visit for people and two minutes on the site. Foodtrucker.com, almost about the same, actually. 349,000 unique visitors, a little less page views, so 1.8 page views, essentially, per visitor and same amount of time on site. 
I have another sort of experimental site at createaclickablemap.com where anybody can go and, you know, they'll see a, a, a map that, you know, when you hover over the states, you can click on them, actually. You can create one for yourself for $9.99. This has been generating about six to $700 a month over the last couple of years. This has, over the course of the year, 42,000 unique visitors. My very first site, the first one I talked about, greenexamacademy.com, which is currently generating between two dollars and $5,000 a month, depending on the season, about 120,000 uniques over the year. Mm, okay. Now, that really helps to bring things into context, also for me and uh, our website okay, and good. stuff like that. Okay, look, um, great, great tips, great tactics. A uh, couple more around your team. This will probably have to be our last question. Around okay. your team. I know you have a vir virtual team now. Can you just run us through your team? And, and I know you, you mentioned you Slack, you know, what I need to get a virtual system badly. You know, my inbox is just overwhelming right now. We have, um, we have hundreds of emails coming through, but how, how do you feel comfortable with someone sending emails on your behalf and you're not, you're not seeing that or, or whatnot? Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic question. I actually have a whole episode of the podcast, number 115, where I actually interviewed my VA, my VA that I hired specifically to answer my emails for me. Mm. And Yeah, I listened uh, to that one. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her name is yeah. Jessica. She's amazing. She's a lifesaver because at the time I brought her on, I was approaching 10,000 unread emails in my <laughs> inbox. And that was just ridiculous. So we eventually had to declare email bankruptcy and and delete a lot of those although a lot she went through all of them and found the most crucial ones and i was able to finally reply to all those and now what happens is emails come in she reads all of them and she puts the most important ones the ones that have to be answered by me now or sooner like within a day into my urgent folder so that's the folder i look at i don't even go to my inbox anymore i look at my urgent folder and then i try to clear that out every single day then I have a less urgent folder for when the urgent folder is cleared out. Then I go into the less urgent folder, sort of like tier two. And then that sort of, I, I have a specific time of the week where I go and answer those. And that's uh, once or twice a week, mostly on Sundays, typically after I've cleared out everything else for that day because I get less, less emails on the weekend and I have more time. So that's kind of the strategy there. Now, how do I feel about somebody else going into my email, email inbox? Well, that's why I didn't have somebody like Jessica for over four years, even though my buddy Chris Ducker at chrisducker.com, who's sort of like the, the king of virtual assistants and virtual staff and things like that. He wrote a book called Virtual Freedom, which was amazing and completely helpful for anybody. And it's something I would recommend you read, Nathan. I finally, it was either, you know, deal with that, you know, find the right person, obviously, and deal with the fact that somebody is going to be there on your behalf and, ha and you know, obviously be honest about that with your audience. That was a big thing. I didn't want Jessica to go in there and pretend to be me. And knowing that, you know, sharing on my contact page that, you know what, I get 100,000 emails like a week, not that much, but, you know, literally 300 to 400 a day. I tell them, you know, what, I can't answer every email. My assistant goes in and goes through and sends me the most important ones. You'll get answered eventually by either Jessica or myself at some point. And that really helps ease my mind knowing that my audience kind of knows where I'm coming from. And, and, and then I go in there and answer those most uh, urgent ones. But it just makes me feel good knowing that somebody is there to answer these people that are, that are emailing me. And it's either do it that way or get beyond 10,000 unread emails. And, you know, I was to a point where every email that came in, I just knew that I was not going to be able to answer it. And I'd feel terrible. So it's one or the other. Hmm. Okay. And... How many people do you have part of your team right now, and how is it structured out of curiosity? Sure. Well, everybody is contracted right now. Nobody is working for me full-time, and it's always on a per-project sort of basis. So they work for me for specific reasons. For example, Mindy is my assistant who helps me put together my podcast for Ask Pat and, and things like that. And she also helps with customer service for the smart podcast player. And then I have Matt, who is sort of my project manager slash executive producer. And he's fantastic because he was somebody who I came, who came on recently to kind of take over control of, okay, if I, Pat Flynn, me, wants to do something, I tell Matt, and he figures out, okay, what's the best way to do it? What's the most streamlined way to do it? Who do we need to have in place on the on the team to make this happen? And you know, calling the troops to 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 work on this this 
battle that we're going to have with this product. So that's really cool to have him in place because he's sort of, you know, that brain and I can just, I can, I can take that away from, from my efforts and, and, and put it on him so I can then focus on things that I need to focus on. And then I have a UI designer or user interface designer, sort of the graphic design guy. I have a videographer as well. Again, these people aren't working for me full time. They're, they're just kind of whenever I need stuff done, they, they do it, uh, which is really cool. I have a writer for foodtrucker.com. That was something that I had to decide to do is because I just couldn't find the time to research and write for that particular niche. So I found a writer and she's amazing. Her name's Nicole. I have a developer, obviously, who helps implement a lot of the things that my designer creates on the front end of my website or in products like the smart podcast player, you know, getting into the code and things like that. And, and so those are the people who are involved in my team right now. It sounds like a lot and, and it is when you think about the individual people, but they all have their specialties, which is really cool and, um, you know, get called upon when, when, they, when they're needed. Mm, yeah, no, oh, that's really cool. Cause I wasn't sure. And, um, you know, that's a similar kind of setup that I run just, yeah, contractors, it makes things really easy, right? There's no, there's no commitment and, you know, they have all their other stuff that they need to do and they're just all freelancers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, look, uh, last question. And that is, what's the biggest problem you see online business owners face today? And what is your recommendation to solve it? Being an entrepreneur is about facing those problems and, and overcoming those challenges and breaking through those those hurdles. I mean, that, that's really what this is all about. And, you know, I, I, I want to say, you know, when you're met with that first failure or mistake to just not give up. I mean, that's cliche though, but I think we all know that, but we feel that when we are met with, you know, we plan ahead and we, we put work into something and then it doesn't work out. It's really easy to just walk away or turn around and, and kind of look at that and say, wow, I, I don't, I don't deserve to even try this anymore. Cause I mean, no, that's ridiculous. Like you ask any successful entrepreneur, and if they're honest with you, they will tell you that failure is just a part of the process. As, you know, as long as you learn from your mistakes and, and move forward, that, that's exactly what it's all about. True failure is actually giving up. Now, the, what I really want to say, though, is, is kind of beyond just, just the business and, and, and the thing that I think all entrepreneurs should absolutely um, worry about, or not necessarily worry about, but just at, at least keep in the back of their mind is, is, you know, we want to succeed as entrepreneurs, of course, and a lot of us will do whatever it takes. And sometimes what that means is, is forgetting about a lot of the other important things that are happening in our life, the people, our health, a lot of the, a lot of things that that shouldn't be forgotten or or put aside. And I know we want to work on our business. It's exciting. It's fun. It's it's actually quite addicting. But I've seen too many relationships fail. I've seen too many people's bodies just fail on them because they are just so involved with their business. And you know, why do we start a business? We want you know, at least for me, you know, I want to create the life that I want to create. But a lot of times, I see people creating a business for that reason, and then their life is the complete opposite of what they wanted. And so just to just to keep in the back of your mind and remember that, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, but also give yourself time and other people around you who are important time as well. And, and I know this is especially hard if, if you're like a single guy and you're just so gung ho and, and a hustler. It, it's really easy to just, you know, stay in front of the computer all day long and just kill it. Right. Like just do amazing things. You got to take time and, and away from that every once in a while. And yes, you might feel like, wow, I'm losing these hours in my business. No, you're gaining these hours in your life and it's going to come back and help you because when you come back into your business after that sort of break, whether it's a day or just a few hours or maybe a week or two, I mean, whatever it is, when you come back, you're going to be more excited as well. And if you focus on your health and your fitness, yes, that takes time away from the business because you're spending an hour at the gym or on a walk or a run or whatever on a bike, but that those hours are going to come back to you even more because, I mean, I found when I focus on my health and fitness and eating well, which does take more time, especially the eating well part, you know, I'm more focused when I'm at work and I can do a lot more work in a shorter period of time and much better work. And I'm more clear and more focused and more creative. And so, you know, I just want people to think about that and sort of beyond business, but other things in their life that are important too, but things that can have a direct impact on your business and, and together everything kind of is, is lifted up and on a good, on a good note. Yeah, no, that's a great one. It's actually that's something that uh, I've been focusing on, focusing on a lot recently because I ended up meeting Ariana Huffington a couple, well, a few months back, uh, and she shared all this kind of stuff. And it's amazing that those were her secrets for running the Huffington Post, actually taking a step out. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just it's just unbelievable because you think that somebody run, that runs a massive company like that had to have time to do that, and she says that like taking those times out is where she came up with her best ideas even 
You know what I mean? Right. Right. I read that article. Crazy. That yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, one of the things she said was unplug, and I mean, she's on. She's online, but she's saying unplug, and it's just really important. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's 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 such such good advice. So thank you, Pat. Well, look. Um, we'll wrap there. But yeah, look. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. This has been an epic conversation. We've touched on so much. We've delved really deep, and no, it's been awesome. It's great to finally connect. Yeah, absolutely, Nathan. It's a pleasure to speak to you, and thank you to everybody out there who's listened. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.